Coming to you from Parts Unknown, it's time, it's time for the Gimmick Minute Wrestling Podcast, brought to you by Media Junkies. Hope everyone enjoyed last week's episode. If you haven't had a chance to listen, please go ahead and catch up on all 14 of our previous episodes. Just subscribe to our channel and on your favorite podcast app. If you're using Apple Podcasts, make sure you leave us a five-star review. We would really appreciate it. We'd like to get our names on some lists and uh, get ourselves moved up in the wrestling charts. My name is Jason. I'm the host of the show. Due to some unforeseen, cir- unforeseen circumstances, our historian Kevin Weekly could not be on the show this week. He took some balls to the face. He may have a broken orbital socket, possibly a concussion. We have to, we've been told that he's not. Oh man, I'm completely botching this. <laughs> we've been told that he's receiving medical treatment. We hope to have an update before we go off the air tonight. We're gonna so please stay tuned to the episode. We'll see if we can get an update later on for you. But I do have the snark attack, Michael, here with me tonight. How you doing? Uh, not taking balls to the face, that's for sure. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> do you think we can hold it down tonight without the third man? Oh, uh, sure. Why not? I mean, the outsiders did it. We can do it too. All right, all right, all right, all right. So we're going to get in some hot takes. Let's have a couple I want to talk about. We're going to hit up, hit you guys up with some good, bad, and ugly. We're going to give you our matches of the week, and then we're going to get into our nostalgia segment, which this week is favorite botched moments, which I totally just botched Let's that say, intro. I so have, a, I have a new one already. <laughs> That's what I get for not practicing before we started. That's that. <laughs> I mean, you say that, but like back in the old days, you, you'd try to practice and it still happens. So I think it's just inevitable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. All right. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks for making it sound like I'm not getting any better at this. <laughs> well, I was talking about like way back when we did Fanboy Fight Club the first time around. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, that was just like that was that was my that was our intro to podcasting. So that you're allowed to make some mistakes on that. But uh, yeah, I, I'd no say mistakes Fanboy Fight Club this time around is a whole lot better. Though. Oh yeah, it's a night and day difference than what it used to be. Yeah, definitely. Now, if which you, means if you, you should to... definitely go check it out on the Media Junkie channel if you aren't already. That's right. That's right. Subscribe to anything that's Media Junkie related, including Rogue Agents and also Fanboy Fight Club, where you can catch Michael and I every other week. So it's been pretty fun so far. And if yeah, you're if been. you're if you're wondering what Fanboy Fight Club is, it's basically just nerds arguing over nerdy topics. Is that about accurate? Yeah, pretty yeah. much. All right, cool. So but uh, has a little bit, little bit extra in there, but I'll leave that for uh, people to go find out on their on their own selves. Yeah, definitely. And we're we're actually going to be adding some things to the show to make it kind of more fun too. So uh, definitely give it a listen and continue to listen to this show each and every week. So without any further ado, let's get into some hot takes. Uh, Mike, you want to start us off? Yeah. So uh, my hot take is. Uh, is that Nicholas was a better tag team partner option than Rollins. And, and it upsets me because, because like I came up with this literally right after witnessing it. Like I came home and like caught the tail end of raw and saw that. And I was like, Oh, why? And then I made <laughs> the joke to you and Kevin in our little group chat. And now it's a whole thing where people are, are basically saying that, Oh, Nicholas grew up to be, and this is what he is now and blah, blah, blah. And he came back. So I feel real disappointed in myself for for this decision, but I'm sticking to my guns. <laughs> I just I just feel like uh, of all the people, like I get if you want to get have like an interesting, you know, tag match for the club to someone to take them on for the titles, 
and you want to have like Strowman, but you have hundreds of people on your roster, and you 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 choose Seth fucking Rollins, <laughs> like I, 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 oh, it's a, I, I, you literally could have cho- had the 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 twelve year old kid or however old he was come back, like and many people beat the predicted. club. And I would have been more interested and more okay with it than Seth Rollins. Like it just it didn't mean it wasn't needed. He he doesn't need to be in the tag title picture. He doesn't need to be in the tag picture at all. He he has his singles competition to fucking figure out, and it's just it's a hot mess. Yeah, but but they're doing it though to set up something between Strowman and Rollins though. So I mean, there's there's going to be though? some purpose between. Yeah, they are. I mean, that's 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 kind of the whole premise of it. Like, if you he he goes up to him and says, "I I saw you eyeing my tag team, my Universal Championship. I know that's what you want. And if it were up to me, I'd give you the match. But right now, we need to take care of the cl- the OC. Like, I mean, that's that's the whole premise between. And when they're sitting in the locker room together, you catch Braun just like looking at the Universal Championship. So he's But at that point you either have to turn Braun heel or turn Rollins heel. And I don't see them turning Rollins heel because they he's too much of a fan favorite. And Braun, even if he's a heel, the crowd's still gonna cheer him because he does ridiculous shit because he's fucking like eight feet tall and he's a giant monster who throws chairs at people. (laughs) (laughs) No, I and I agree with you there. I mean it's gonna be it's going to be hard for them to tell that story, but that is kind of where they're going. But it's kind of like the unlikely bedfellows thing. Like they did it with, they did it with, with Kane uh, and H- Daniel H- Bryan. Well, yeah, they did it with Kane, Kane, Daniel Bryan, but they did it with HBK and Stone Cold back in the day. They, when they were, um, when they were building up their rivalry heading towards a world championship match, they were tag team champions for a short period of time. They did it with the undertaker and Stone Cold Steve Austin. They've done it. They've done it periodically on their way to setting up a title match between two people. So it's it's not something that hasn't been done before. Yeah. So but it's just that it's doesn't just, make it okay. I, I I I don't disagree with you. I don't know if Nicholas would have been the right tag team partner for him, although I do love the memes that have been out there with the whole situation. But I I, I get Wait, don't be wrong. I, I I think the Nicholas thing was stupid. But at the same time, I, I'd rather see that again than see Rollins in that situation. Like he, they, they, they've got too many titles tied up into the into one story, and I feel like it's eliminating options for other stories to be told with those titles. Especially no, considering I- they put so much on those titles to begin with of how important they are, but then they're like, oh, but we're going to keep 50% of our titles all wrapped up into one rivalry. Yeah, and I think that's kind of interesting that they're kind of grouping the titles with factions and things like that because mm-hmm. it, it almost is kind of, in a way, eliminating the fact that there's too many titles by putting them together into groups, yeah. maybe. Hey, and don't be wrong, I, I dig that. If you want to do factions, I'm 100% on board. Like, the club, great, because it gives it so you get AJ as a heel, which is, like, in my opinion, what he does his best work. You get the the aspect of oh he has people there to help him and then he can also help them with the tag titles but at the same time while they are intertwined in each other's stories they don't need to be solely in that story like there should be an AJ arc where he's defending his US title and they're helping him and then there should be a Anderson and Gallows arc where they're 
defending their titles and AJ's helping them. It shouldn't be all three of them are in a rivalry with the same two fucking people. Yeah. No, I agree with you. All right. So uh, my hot take for the week just kind of had to do with the news that came out that NXT is going to have its own show on the USA Network going live on Wednesday nights, and that's going to be starting up here pretty soon. I'm kind of intrigued about this because I kind of want to see how NXT does as a live show. Uh, the one thing that I, I feel, though, and a lot of people are starting to be like, oh, well, they're pitting NXT up against AEW, which, yeah, I guess in a way they are. But at the same time, this deal has kind of been in the works for a long time. NXT was already going to have a show possibly on FS1 or FS2 on Wednesday nights, and they decided that uh, they had some other programming needs that they weren't able to fit that. USA stepped up and said, we'll take it. So, you know, I, I get where they're going with it. I really don't think, and this is kind of where my hot take comes in, I don't think that this is going to be the Wednesday night wars that people are making it out to be. And there's a couple of reasons why I feel that way. One, I, I feel like NXT is more of an established product right now, and AEW is the unknown. So I feel like you're going to have people watching both shows no matter what. But in today's day and age, there's never going to be anything like the Monday night wars because you have too many different ways of watching stuff. If you really want to watch NXT, you can record AEW and watch it at a different time. If you really want to watch AEW, you can record NXT and watch it at a different time. And Nielsen ratings or like any type of ratings generator does not take in recorded shows into an account. Or they do, but yeah. if you don't watch it within a certain amount of time, it doesn't count. So it's just there, there's just no way to really tell. And plus, it streams do not count. So you can't really tell how many people are watching it because you don't know how many people are streaming it. You could have fans like Mike who don't actually really watch everything and they just break it down into 15 minute YouTube clips and generate their takes off of that. No, you're not like kidding. the slacker that I am. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I just don't really, think it's going to turn into the war that people think it will. And I don't really think that either company really did this despite the other. Honestly, I think it just kind of worked out best for AEW to have their show on Wednesday night. NXT was already on Wednesday. This is just kind of evolving into the live product. And with guys like Johnny Gargano and stuff like that, I really, and Adam Cole and the whole Undisputed Era, Tommaso Ciampa possibly coming back soon, Velveteen Dream, it just seemed like a great time for NXT to, to have a live show because I think this is the, the longest they've had like a, an established roster for a while. Like really in their existence, so I think this is the right roster for them to to be able to pull this off with. See, I think this is is good and bad because it, it, I think it's bad because I feel like it's partially a cop out to where it's like, okay, none of you guys are getting brought up to the main roster anytime soon, so we're gonna give you your own live show, and you're on your own island. It's you're not gonna interact with the other two shows, or even potentially eventually we could you could have Team SmackDown versus Team Raw versus Team NXT, and I'd be cool with that too um, yeah, for like shit like that. Survival yeah. Series and stuff, but they're not going to do that. That's like, the, um, that's like the ECW brand all over again, though. Yeah, that's and, that's where we get into the bad. They're, they're, kind, they're going too thin with this, unless it's going to be still done the same way it was before, which I feel is going to be very hard since it went from being pre-taped to now being live. I I, I think it it could potentially hurt the NXT product because 
Now you're put, forcing them to go live. You're forcing them to kind of shift from where they were at. And the big issue with WWE is, you know, they were always had to worry about like USA and the ratings and this and that. And that could also change the way the NXT product is brought to us. Because right now, NXT has been a huge thing for people who are sick of the, like, how WWE was pre-Bischoff and Heyman era and wanted something that was a little more like the indies, where it was more about the wrestling and they still had, like, the storytelling because they're being developed to, to tell the stories while they're in the ring but it was more about the wrestling product than the like soap opera part of it. And that could change with them going live because it's, it's not like, Oh, you, you're just on the network. People are either going to watch you. They don't, it's not going to affect anything. Now it does because they've got sponsors through all the ads. They've got USA to deal with. They've got a lot more than just putting up their pre-taped shows on the network. And you're right. But here's my thing though. I think, in the evolution of NXT, they're ready for that step. And the fact that they do come from an established brand and the fact that they have had these taped TV shows and these live events on the network for the last how many of her years now has prepared them to kind of lead up to this. And it's not like there's not already a relationship there with, with, with USA because there is, I'd be mm-hmm. honestly more concerned with AEW in that terms, because you're taking a bunch of guys that really haven't done a weekly TV show before, and now you're going to put them on live and have them do a weekly TV show. Oh, yeah. Show where they Com- comparatively. I think it's going to be more of a, I think it's going to be more of a stretching it too thin with that type of show than it would be with an NXT show. I mean, don't get me wrong. My, my, my take on it isn't so much that it's stretching them thin, per se. I guess that was poor wording on my part. It's more just think about how. WWE has been over the past decade before Vince gave control over to to Heyman and, and Bischoff. It has been very much so dictated by USA essentially and like the the stockholders. And they were so concerned with that and doing things like to please those people. I'm afraid that that's going to change the NXT product because say USA is like this is too much like a sporting event we don't really do sporting events we need it to be more like Raw and Smackdown where it's got more of that drama to it more of that storytelling and suddenly now the two hours of what people loved about NXT and like how action-packed it was and how it was more felt more of like a sport than sports entertainment is suddenly more like the main product see I would almost I I would almost argue the opposite though like if you watch NXT I feel like they were doing a better job of having storylines and telling stories. Oh, don't get me wrong. They, they tell the stories really time. well, but they tell them so well that it does. It feels natural and it feels still more like a sport than WWE or than Raw and SmackDown do. Okay. Raw and SmackDown, you watch them and it, you're, you're, you're watching fucking soap operas with some more realistic looking punching. Like it, it gets real bad at times. I mean, it's been a lot better over the past like month, but prior to that, it like would get real soap opera. NXT does such a good job with their storytelling that it feels natural, in my opinion. And I, I feel like it feels so natural that it doesn't come off as much of like a drama as Raw and SmackDown do. To where USA may be like, "Hey, 
we aren't feeling this. We need you to kind of bring out that more drama because we're we're a normal network television show like uh, channel. We're not like ABC and Fox where we do sporting events. Our our viewers come here for this or that or the other. Um, and I feel like if they do deviate from what NXT is with how great the matches are and how it focuses on the matches while telling a great story in the process, it could go into AEW's favor while they may not have experience and they're learning on the fly. A lot of the people who are like, oh, I love NXT because it's, it, it's more wrestling than drama or it might flip the channel and go to AEW because that is going to be 90% wrestling because they haven't done this before. They're going to be doing it like an indie show where it's going to be nonstop wrestling and super kicks and high flying and like all the stuff that you see on these indie shows but, but that get these great but, clips. But TNT knows drama, Mike. <laughs> they know drama, but they also <laughs> do a lot with the NBA <laughs> and other sporting events. So it's but a little know, different than USA. USA's extent. USA's extent of uh, of sporting events is the the fucking dog shows that the they have. No, they they play they do the tennis tournaments on USA. Tour oh yeah, I forgot about that. Forgot about the tennis team, the tennis <laughs> tournaments. <laughs> all right, all right. So we'll jump off our soapboxes there for our hot takes. So that was that was our hot takes, and uh, so a couple things there that we kind of unpacked. If you agree with our takes or disagree with our takes, please feel free to let us know. Give us a tweet at Live Your Gimmick. That's at L I V your y-o-u-r gimmick g-m g-i-m-m-i-c-k so please tweet us your opinion on what you thought of our hot takes we're going to get into some good bad and ugly so let's start off i'll start with the good so for my good i'm going to go with the roman situation so we're talking about storylines we're talking about some different things uh I, I like this story just because i love that it's getting stretched out i know you're probably going to disagree with that and it's fine but I like that it's getting stretched out. I like the fact that we don't still know who it is. I love the fact that they had some dude that looked just like Eric Rowan underneath the hood after an entire show of speculation. And I, uh, I've i enjoyed the Buddy Murphy involvement in it. He's gotten two like great quality matches out of it and really gotten himself put on the map by two top guys just randomly bringing him into this story. Uh, and now you got um, you got some different so you got some different spinoffs of spinoffs of it. Really, Roman hasn't had anybody try to attack him in the last couple of weeks, so that kind of even puts more speculation on the Daniel Bryan and and Eric Rowan as being the two people that did it. And honestly, and I I know I went on record a couple of weeks ago. If you go back, I had my hot take, and I, I you know said it was going to be Luke Harper. That, that's going after Roman Reigns and, and doing this. But I think I'm changing that up today. I After this last couple of uh, the last episode where they had the person under the hood, I, I started to get this overwhelming feeling that the person might still look a little bit, bit like Eric Rowan with a big red beard. And it could be Seamus that's actually going after Roman Reigns and trying to put him in the hospital. Wait, I thought Seamus got... Uh... He's like kind of like quietly retired, and now he's working more backstage. I know Seamus was taking some time off, but I don't think he ever officially retired, and he's still doing those ridiculous Celtic Warrior workouts and things like that. Yeah. So I thought I read somewhere that he was kind of just like quietly like moving away from the ring and moving into more of a backstage role. I could be wrong, but I could swear I read that somewhere. 
that could be true, and that could also could be speculation or just maybe somebody guessing why he's off camera. But because right. I, I remember, he, I, well, yeah, and I don't <laughs> anything Dave Meltzer says. So <laughs> if if you've listened to the show before, you know that I do not like I do I don't I don't take anything Dave Meltzer says seriously at all. I don't believe a damn thing that comes out of his mouth. But yeah, but I've really enjoyed the Roman Reigns story, and, and I like where it's going. So. Uh, what do you what do you what are you gonna shit on on that? <laughs> um, I mean, I'll give you that it's it's given Buddy Murphy some pretty incredible matches. Like he he's definitely shown his himself off and put himself on the map for being on the main roster. Um, however, aside from just <laughs> how like I feel like Sheamus is almost out more outrageous than your Luke Harper. Really? Uh, okay. Yeah, just because he, he's been gone for so long, I just. Even if that wasn't like legit and it was just a rumor, it it definitely feels real. Because like aside from his Celtic Warrior things, the only time you see him is on when they do these like backstage things for the network, and he's like roaming around in a suit and got his hair down, doesn't have his stupid mohawk anymore. I mean, even Cesaro has moved back to singles competition, and they were like thick as thieves. Like you, no one was fucking gonna tear them apart, and. I feel like at this point, I, if he does come back, it might be for like a retirement match, but I I, I don't think it's him. Um, right. I feel like if they were to bring him back, it sure as hell wouldn't be to be the attacker for Roman Reigns. That'd be real, real anticlimactic, in my opinion, of all the people that that's worse than Seth Rollins being Braun Strowman's tag team champion partner. <laughs> um and as far as like, I feel it's a little dr- being drug out a little too long. Like I feel like after building up to SummerSlam and then not having the payoff at the fucking what they consider their WrestleMania of the summer, this means either a it's going to be real anticlimactic and it's going to end up just being deep ride the whole time and it's going to come to a head at Clash of Champions, or b we're going to have another like two or three months of this and it's going to lead until Survivor Series. And I'm just going to be pulling my hair out, getting tired of seeing these epic matches of uh, Buddy Murphy against these four, three different people. <laughs> I feel like they'll probably involve somebody other than Buddy Murphy if they're going to stretch it out that long. I don't know if it's, uh, it's... all the way to, to Survivor Series, but if it does and it just ends up being Daniel Bryan, I will be very disappointed and it will go to my ugly list very, very quickly. But if it ends up still being somebody like Luke Harper or somebody that you're not expecting, then I they could drag it out as long as, as possible. I mean, I just feel like at this point, if they don't have it be someone that you aren't expecting, or at least have something that's like a surprise and a good surprise, not just like a O. Um, like if the surprise it's, is it's, if the surprise is CM Punk, everybody will lose their goddamn minds, and it doesn't matter. Oh, dude, if, how if long they drag it out for, they could drag it out until next WrestleMania and reveal at WrestleMania that it was CM Punk the entire time, but he's not actually going to wrestle a match, and the internet would still lose its shit. Right, and <laughs> the network would crash from all the people signing up to watch WrestleMania at that very moment. Right. <laughs> um, but I feel like we have a we have just as much chance of CM Punk showing up at AEW's Chicago show as we do of uh, him being oh, yeah. the attacker at this point. Well, and you know, and you know what what what's even worse with that Chicago news is he's actually doing that. Um, What's that event Conrad Starcade. puts on? Starcade. Yeah, he's going to be a yeah. part of Starcade. 
So now mm-hmm. everyone's even buzzing even oh, more. Oh yeah, everyone's is like, guys, I can do a fucking event and do meet and greet with fans without it meaning I'm gonna wrestle. Like, calm right. your tits, Jesus. And, and if he and, gets pulled off of Starcade, it's gonna it's something. It, oh let's yeah, say he can't make it. Then it's just gonna start the speculation all over again that he's coming back. To yeah, the they're gonna be like, oh, he got pulled off so he could he could get ready for the match, so it throws us all off. He's right. he's gonna jump Moxley. <laughs> Jump Moxley. Oh God. Oh, get me started on Moxley. You know it's funny, like <laughs> this is getting way off topic, but you know, kind of doing some research for the like our, our favorite botched moment. You know, I was doing some like some watching back at like different botched video clips. Dude, he Oh my god, are you gonna bring up the, the one where he gets the snake shits on his face and CM Punk laughs at him? No, I wasn't. <laughs> but... <laughs> No, it's just more of the fact that he was just in a lot of them. Like, as far as oh, that, yeah. he botched that somersault powerbomb off the top rope probably, like, four or five different times. He he botched the um, the dive through the ropes a whole bunch of times, too. Like, I'm just sitting there like, man, damn, he had, like, way more, like, terrible moments in the ring than I remembered. Yeah, like, everyone, like, looks at him with these rose-tinted glasses of, like, oh, Vince held him down out of all the people in the Shield. He should have been, you know, top guy, not Seth, blah, 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 wah, wah, wah. In the end, his matches sucked. Yeah, all of his moves were lazy as shit. Like, he, he'd do that, that rebound clothesline where he'd fall back through the ropes and bounce back and hit him. That was cool uh, the first goes, time I saw it. He'd go slower then Kevin Owens given a fucking stunner. Like they, they could go make a sandwich and still have time to avoid it. Yeah. Like I, I will say his, his in ring work was a whole lot better when he came back from injury. So oh yeah. He was a lot more just, aggressive and it was a little more interesting, but I feel like yeah. people were basing his entire WWE career where he was real, like slow and just boring to like, Oh, now he's aggressive and buff. So then right. they just think that's what he's been like this whole time. Like, no, he was never like that. Even yeah. when he was in the Shield, he was not that interesting. And, and like the most interesting about it, thing about him prior to coming back was his finishing move that got removed, like changed. The yeah. dirty, the original Dirty Deeds was way cooler and way more like compelling oh, as a finishing move yeah. than the fucking double underhook DDT. Right. I will right. say though, in his indie circuit, he's been doing a better version of the dirty deeds, where he actually like lifts them up in the air and then DDTs them. Uh, so it's more like the future shock DDT. That, yeah, uh, it's a lot more like the future DDT. shock. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right, so uh, so that was my good. What was your good for this week? My good was they are finally using Shinsuke Nakamura, and they're using him well. Like I don't get me wrong, I loved what they did with him and AJ. I'm very disappointed that it never really went anywhere for him. And I loved the Pinchasa. That was that was a great fucking gimmick. <laughs> um But the fact that they have him as this heel and he's intercontinental champion and he's just he beat the shit out of uh, Miz. I think he hit him with like three or four um Kinshasas. Yeah, and yeah. I'm a little skeptical over Sammy being his mouthpiece, just because I'm not a huge Sammy Zane fan. Uh, I feel like Sammy's just too much of that, like that loser kid in your high school class who was real arrogant, and thought he was like cool, but in reality, everyone was laughing at him, not with him. That's Sammy Zane in my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Like he's that I... class clown who thinks everyone's laughing with him and thinks he's hilarious, but really they're just like laughing at him because they're like, this kid's fucking stupid. 
and he has a big guy like Kevin Owens as his best friend that can protect him and beat people. Yeah, that's literally it. Like he's got that big best friend who can who basically is like, oh, you got a problem with Sammy? I'm like, no, it's great. Yeah, Sammy's good. Yeah, I like Sammy. Yeah, yeah you know, he can I come, have, he can come to our party. I I like I like that they made Sammy Zayn his mouthpiece for for a couple of reasons. One, I do like Sammy Zayn. I think his mic skills are really good. I like his in-ring work as well, and that's that's kind of the one disappointment for me as it takes him out of the ring. But when you look at mm-hmm. it, they have so many people right now. Like they have such a strong roster, and there's really nowhere for him since he's came back from injury. Yeah. He's had some good matches, but there's just no good spot for him in a wrestling capacity. So why yeah. not take him? And, and especially with his injury history, I mean, he's had sh- surgery on his shoulders. Yeah, he fucking times. hurt his own shoulder during his entrance. Right. I mean, yeah, yeah. he's the only person who's more accident prone than Dolph Ziggler. Yeah. <laughs> so, so just taking him out of the and giving maybe his body some time to heal up and, and putting him in that manager role, I think would be really good for him. I like the fact that they're starting to get into more managers. That's actually something that started in NXT is they're, they're starting to have like mm-hmm. Bobby, the brain Heenan type managers now that are going to like acquire talent and, and different things like that. So if that's a type of manager that shouldn't say or that shouldn't say that Sammy's going to be, I'm all for it. So I'm good with that. And I, I agree with the, the Shin, this is the Shinsuke Nakamura that I've heard about that was in New Japan that everybody yeah. loved, and I'm just I I'm down for it. I can't wait. So if that Same. was good, if that was good for you, what was bad? Uh, well, before we get in the bad, I need to take a quick pick, uh, break because I'm about to find out where I was when diarrhea strikes. <laughs> okay, so you're leaving the show on me right now. Yes, I will be back. We can always cut it and change it, but I, I got to go real quick. Okay, so while we take this quick break for Mike to go to the bathroom, I just wanted to take a couple of minutes, explain a little bit more about what we do with uh, Media Junkie, and also kind of talk about a few other fan wrestling podcasts that I recently started listening to and uh, have been doing a really good job. So first with with Media Junkie, basically it started with uh, the Fanboy Fight Club podcast. It was kind of our original thing. It's what got us all together. We're just five friends that really like arguing over nerdy topics and we decided to turn it into a podcast and went away for a little bit media junkie kind of was reborn with a uh, youtube channel youtube.com slash media junkie and a bunch of different vids covering all forms of media and then basically we morph that into doing some different podcasts like if you uh if you're into video games uh, if you like to play the division two my my guys jamar and wes do a really great podcast called the rogue agents podcast they get uh guests on that have uh have experience play the games that do beta tests and things like that on pc they explain the state of the game every week and they do a really good job with that and they have a, a great following so if you're a fan of the game if you want some more information if you want to kind of know things ahead of time it's a great great source to to get that info from we also have the Fanboy Fight Club podcast. We brought that back. So myself and Michael from the show are a part of it. We, uh, we, we really, really, really have fun doing that show. So if you're in for a good time, it, it's a good one to pick up. And then as far as other fan wrestling podcasts, so we got kind of 
kind of all started uh, started uh, tweeting at each other and getting in uh, getting in each other's timelines and stuff like that. It kind of all started with uh, with my man Stacks the Homie. He's the he's the host of the X Smarks the Spot podcast. Also done on Anchor. Anchor does a really good job of uh, allowing us to have a voice and be able to put these podcasts out there. But then there's some other ones too. So there was uh, some guys like the Exposed Turnbuckle podcast, also Rock and Wrestling podcast, and uh, Second Row Wrestling podcast. So there's so a few different Hitting the Ropes Wrestling. So a few other podcasts that are really good to listen to, just all fans giving their voices. So I'm pretty sure I heard a toilet flush. So I think Mike's on his way back. So we're going to get back to the show here in just one second. And we're back. All right. Uh, sorry about that little interrupt. I uh, hope you enjoyed the <laughs> the little commercial break that I kind of threw together. And uh, yeah, <laughs> so um, so I think we were we were going into your bad before you uh, you had a bad urge and had to run to the yeah. bathroom <laughs> before I found before I found out hard way how bad it could really get. Um, all right, so. Uh, <laughs> My bad this week is uh, gonna be the fiend. I like. It's just. The, the, I feel like the segment with with the king with Jerry Lawler, like it was comical of him being like, "Oh, I know what this is. I'm getting out of here," and he just fucking hobbles his old ass out of the ring. Like it was, it was funny, but mm-hmm. it does nothing for the fiend character. Like I feel like it doesn't lead up to anything. It doesn't like. I mean, maybe if their gimmick was he was going to go and murder a bunch of old people or something was his gimmick or something like that, maybe. But <laughs> I feel like the only thing that could have saved this segment would have been that, like, the after he, you know, does the mandible claw, the lights go out, you hear the laugh, he disappears, and then Neighbor Bray shows up on the Titan Tron, and he's like, Yowie, wowie, it looks like King learned not to run his mouth. The Fiend really got him, just like he got Finn Balor. Maybe next time he'll learn to let me. Uh, just like anything. Yeah. Like just, just I feel like they're not utilizing the dual personality enough, and they're shifting too much to the Fiend. And like I get it, Fiend had an incredible debut at SummerSlam. The music, everything about it was fantastic. But you can't forget about the part that built up to it that made it so good. Like those Firefly Funhouse segments were just absolute gold. And they're what built up everything to make the Fiend's grand debut so great. Like without those, him coming back like that, people have been like, oh, it's just the same old creepy Bray Wyatt except for now he's got an insane clown posse mask. Like (laughs) you need that neighbor Bray to, to kind of bring everything together. I, I agree with you. I don't, I don't have a problem with him attacking the, the legends or attacking Jerry Lawler just because it kind of leads to the unpredictability. I kind of like the way it was done too with him talking about the, uh, you know, supposedly being there to interview Sasha Banks and then the interview not happening because of it. It made it feel more random and yeah. more unplanned. I, I like that. I really and I, I do agree with you though. We need more of the split personality. We need more of the Mister Rogers Bray to to really to be the mouthpiece for the fiend in a way. It's kind of weird yeah. that he he's his own, he would be his own mouthpiece, 
but you need that because the fiend obviously doesn't talk. He just shows up and yeah. sticks his fingers in people's mouths. So and then laughs about it. Like he's yeah, just a fucking yeah. creepy perv clown. Like right, yeah. So you need that. You need that balance. So I, I agree with you there. You definitely need the balance. But I do not have a problem with the the attacking different legends or hall of famers or whoever they see fit just to like, have him. Like I give it to you. Up. It was done well in the sense that it it made it feel more random because of the fact that it was supposed to be an interview segment and then nothing happened and after the attack and all that. I just I feel like it it didn't have its significance to it because it was just the fiend showed up he fingered someone's mouth and then he giggled and left like it just it wasn't yeah. it didn't do anything for me I gotcha all right well what hasn't been doing anything for me is uh, my bad this week and as much as I really don't want this to be bad for me and I know I'm gonna get some some probably some slack inside my own house for saying this just because. I live with a Bailey super fan, but Bailey, uh, since she's been SmackDown Women's Champion, I've been trying to give her the benefit of the doubt, but it has been kind of bad for me. And I'm just not, I'm not feeling the Bailey that I like really started to like become a big fan of when she was in NXT. Since she's been on the main roster, I just haven't seen that Bailey. I haven't cared about. Bailey, like I cared about her you know, in NXT. I don't know if it's the fact that the the boss character by Sasha Banks just brought out that kind of uber baby face in Bailey and NXT, and just there hasn't been anybody on the main roster that's been able to do that. I, I don't know if that's the reason why, but like her promos just haven't been incredibly strong even though she's been trying to be a lot more aggressive and i've you know I, I give her credit for being more aggressive with with what she's done she's not just the the hugger and the the smiley giggly kid anymore like she she's kind of becoming more of a independent woman and a like a strong female but i'm just not feeling it the same way that i did before and it bothers me a little bit because i want to like her i want I want to be happy about Bailey being a champion on WWE TV, but just so far I'm not. And I, I did kind of uh, the the segment on on SmackDown, and I was kind of watching it, but not watching it. I will admit that. So maybe that was part partly me just not fully grasping it, but her just like pushing Charlotte off the chair just seemed kind of like almost childish to me in a way, and was like I okay. <laughs> I feel like that's the biggest problem with Bailey's gimmick is she's just a giant child. Like she she comes out and she's got the the side ponytail like a, a four year old who doesn't know how to do her hair, and she's got like the bright colors and the the Bailey buddies and stuff. Like I get it, she's she's geared towards the the kids and the young girls, and it's great to give them someone who they can look up to and someone they can root for. I'm all for that. But that's the same reason why she's not as interesting to us because she her character isn't built for us. But and that was the it's same. Hard, and it, but it was and, the same and, and like you were saying, the thing with Sasha, <laughs> that's just it though. When you have someone who is so good on the mic and so good at being a heel like Sasha, as much as I hate Sasha Botch, um she brings out the best in the person she's with, and I feel like Bailey's not there's no one to pair Bailey with right now on SmackDown 
for you to get that result. You don't have that extreme heel to go up against her extreme baby, your baby face, because she is so on the like far, far, far end of that baby face to the point where you could never imagine her really being a heel because she's just too, too much of the good guy that you you need that kind of polar opposite to really have a good rivalry, to have those good promos. And she, there's no one for her to do that because yeah, you've got Charlotte, but Charlotte is everyone puts Charlotte on this pedestal. Like she's really not as great as everyone makes her out to be like her promos, like everything she did with Trish was fucking garbage. Like all of her promos, like, I don't know if it's just they're poorly written or if she just doesn't know how to deliver them. But I've never had a moment where I'm like, oh, yeah, that was a real good Charlotte moment. I'm always just like, oh, yay, more Charlotte. <laughs> um, so I feel like you need to find someone who could be that that real villain for her. Like if they weren't doing this whole like face turn with, with Alexa Bliss, where she's tag champions with, with Bliss Cross, I feel like she'd be that that because her matches with Alexa and her like rivalry with Alexa was great. I mean, they had Alexa beat her in her hometown. I mean, that, that, that shit was really well done. And she was actually an interesting like face at that point because you were like, I, I mean, I didn't root for her cause I, well, it's Alexa. Like, come on now. But <laughs> you genuinely wanted her to beat Alexa. Cause Alexa was just so much of a bully and just so mean to her that you're just like, fucking whoop her ass Bailey do it and I I don't get that with Charlotte and there's very few heels in the women's division that I feel like you can get that kind of energy from and I think that and I think where where it stems from the problem is back because that was a few years ago when all that happened between her and (laughs) Alexa they didn't give her that moment and I think I think that's a big I think that's a big part of why she's gotten to this point because they never did let her really unload and whoop her ass. Like she, that was the time for her to turn into this, the aggressive Bailey we're starting mm-hmm. to see now. And she didn't. And that's, I, I think that right there is the root of where, where my, my issue is, but, and, and Bailey can be very entertaining. I mean, I honestly, oh, yeah. like I, she's, I she's mean, yeah. If you watch her on the edge and Christian show, when she does that therapy segment with them, like that's mm-hmm. really funny. I mean, she has the capabilities of being really funny, and I do want to root for her because she is a lifelong fan. You know, anybody like that that grows up a wrestling fan and gets to live out their dream and be a part of the, you know, be a part of that 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 lifestyle. Like you, you want to root for those people because they're just like you, right? Except they yeah. actually put through the the blood, sweat, and tears to actually go out and do it, you know? So they're not fat and lazy and sitting and making a podcast exactly, and accidentally almost exactly, shitting their pants. Exactly. <laughs> right. So you want to root for those people, but I, I hope something changes, changes soon. I don't know if it, maybe it will take like a heel run out of her to maybe change her personality a little bit more or as much as I would love lines, to see but... a, a heel run of Bailey and seeing what she's capable as, as a bad guy. Cause like every, every time you hear these wrestlers who either are part-timers now, or they don't work with the business at all. Like they do these interviews and the most fun they ever had was when they were a heel. Cause they get so much more freedom than when they're a baby face. Right. And I'd love to see what she does with it. 
but I'm a realist and I don't think we'll ever see that just because of what I said earlier. She's that role model for the like the young girls to look up to and you don't want to damage that uh persona that they've built around for that. And I don't is I don't think they will. Um yeah. even with Heyman and Bischoff at the helm for the most part, I don't see them like I see them maybe pitching the idea and be like, I want to do that. But I don't think since Vince still probably has this final say that he'd let them just because that's 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 too much of a market. That'd be like that the same reason why they never turned Cena heel. He was the fan favorite for the kids. Yeah. And you I don't, don't think, want him to be the bad guy. I don't think she's on that level though. So Oh, I'm she's not on that level, but I still feel level. like they're trying to to build her, her in that same idea where she's the superhero for the for the kids. So for she's geared and even if they did, though, like let, let's say down the road they did decide to go that route, there are other women that could potentially take that take that spot or that mantle from her, though, too. So mm-hmm. I, I can, because I, really, I mean, honestly, Becky Lynch has just overshadowed every woman. Oh yeah, there's no there. one on the so, level of Becky Lynch yeah. in the business right now. It's it's so insane I feel, I feel like what Becky's because done. Of that, they could potentially uh, do something different with Bailey, but I guess we'll see. So I mean, that was. Um, you know that that was kind of bad. Honestly, watching watching this week, I really didn't see a whole lot of stuff that I really thought was ugly, which is kind of unlike previous weeks where there was just so much stuff that I yeah. couldn't even decide what to use for ugly. It's it's, it's weird when WWE isn't cringeworthy, right? Yeah, I know, <laughs> and and you know, and and I want to definitely let the audience members know it's not that we of this or like even New Japan or any anything like that. I don't watch a whole lot of other stuff outside of like NXT and maybe I'll catch the occasional thing that's done on like new Japan, but I usually don't watch a ton of ROH and things like that just because I don't have a shit ton of time. Um, you know, I have a family and a full-time job and trying to keep up with everything that's out there is really hard for me. AEW is something that I will keep up with once they have a weekly show. And until then, that's not really going to make much of our lists unless there's something that happens like online that goes viral that you know we'll we'll make it into here but uh we'll start probably talking more about that once they actually have a show to talk about but uh i mean i'm gonna be honest i just i can't fit more than we into my 15 minutes of recapping that's just not a feasible (laughs) option sorry sorry guys i I don't mean to disappoint you all you indie fans and and you fucking smarks but (laughs) i i just don't have more than 15 minutes to dedicate to one company and divvying it up between 30 is just not realistic. I, I did reach out of the WWE to go with my ugly for this week. And uh, it was a viral video. And I actually, oh my God. I retweeted it on our, uh, our Twitter page at live your gimmick, L I V your gimmick. So if you want to see what I'm talking about, you can scroll through the timeline and see it. I might, I might repost it or reshare it, but basically it was from an indie show in a gymnasium somewhere guy was laid out on a table and from inside the ring this really really big guy i mean i mean we're talking like vader at his yeah we're not talking big show big we're talking like vader after he (laughs) ate yokozuna like it yeah this dude like he had to weigh at least four to five hundred pounds and it was not in his like height it was definitely his width yes and he went over the top rope onto the guy who was on the table on the floor 
and absolutely destroyed this kid on the table, smashed his head, smashed his entire body. What made it ugly for me is one, it's ugly to watch. It's like a car wreck. But the, uh, the, the worst part for me is that when the referee slid out of the ring to check on the performers, he checked on the big guy first. Not not the guy that took the bump and got smashed on the table. He checked on the guy who delivered the bump and had the cushiony fall all the way to the floor. So in his defense, <laughs> that guy was probably dead anyway. So he didn't want to go check on the dead guy first. <laughs> You're probably right. You're probably right. I mean, so- my God, like watching that, like there was no, like, you see these guys go and do the, like, jump onto each other on the tables, and there's always that bounce where they bounce off the other guy, or at least there's, like, a little bit of, like, a ricochet kind of effect to it. Right. Not at all. This guy just no. dead, <laughs> hits the ground, or hits the guy on the table, the table collapses, and then he lands on him a second time because gravity didn't catch up quick enough. So this guy <laughs> had a life or death experience twice in a 30 second span, and. I like hats off to him if he's still alive somewhere. Right. <laughs> and I'll be honest with you, I've been watching wrestling for a very, very long time and I've seen a ton of table bumps, but I have never seen I've never heard a table sound like that when it breaks. Yeah. That table <laughs> cried for the dead man that was going through it. <laughs> yes. <yeah. laughs> oh jeez. That was so that was ugly for me. What about you? Um, I'm double dipping this week. My ugly is Seth fucking Rollins. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. They, 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 I get like what you're saying earlier with the whole oh, it's leading up to him and Braun. I don't give a shit. They're not gonna, unless they're they're not gonna put the title on Braun. They, they've they've had so many opportunities. They had a point where he was fucking white hot, and it was more than the time to put it on him, and they still didn't. And now is no different. Now he's he still gets the pops because he's Braun Strowman and he's ridiculous and he's a giant monster of a man. But they're not going to have Seth get beat by another dude just to have to win it back because that I mean again that's pretty much been his whole shtick since being champion. But there it's it's it, there, there's no way that I see it coming out with Braun winning. So this whole thing is a waste of my time. Like, give Braun a partner that actually matters for the the club, like, rivalry, and have Seth go and lead up to something that matters with someone else. Give someone else a chance to have a story that goes up against the Universal Champion. Hell, I don't care if you just do something cool, like, that we haven't seen before. Like, we always see the mid-card titles get a weekly, like, challenge thing. Have him do a universal open challenge. Have him take on someone, anyone on the roster every week. I don't care if he squashes them every week. As long as, like, he defends it and keeps it relevant and interesting. Right now, that thing's just as much of a shell former as it is when Brock has it. Because he's now taking titles from other people so now he's a double champion again which we've seen two or three times in just a couple of years like wasn't it just last year he was intercontinental and champion and tag champion and then yeah. at one point he was double tag champion because dean left him so he had to defend both t- titles like it they're just they're jamming too much seth rollins into everything else 
And like, I love the whole thing with the factions becoming a thing again, where we're getting like the club was the U S and the tag champions. It'd be cool to see if like to see them add like Shinsuke or Finn to that and have him wear title and go like the full NWO esque style. Um, and it kind of makes the, the rivalries a little more interesting because it adds a whole new get- dynamic because it's like, okay, this team or this person now has to worry about these other dudes who are always accompanying them. And it makes it so then they have to have stipulations like cage matches or things to kind of counteract that. And it kind of adds a new dynamic. But we don't need Seth Rollins in that mix. I'm sorry. Like, I, I used to be Seth, one of Seth Rollins' biggest fans. Like, from day one with the Shield to he when he hit. Roman with that chair, I was like, "Fucking do it, kill them both!" Like I was, I was ready. Seth was the man, and now I'm just like, he, I don't care. Like I, I skimmed through his match with, with Brock. I barely watch his matches now because they just, he's not as interesting anymore. All right, are you are you good? You, you feel I'm like good. You yeah, off your chest. Yeah, All I got right. that off my chest. Yeah. All right. All right. You're really, you're really hating on this. I love it. Oh, I love it. oh yeah, dude. It's, it's, it drives <laughs> me crazy. Like, because I want to like Seth because he's he's talented as fuck. But they just, yeah. they they do they try to jam him into too many situations that he doesn't need to be in. And then when they aren't doing that, they're just doing the same wash, rinse, repeat shit where he gets his ass beat and then comes back in the end and wins. Seth like, is to you what Bailey is to me, I guess. I yeah, I guess. All right. All right, cool. Well, uh, so let's uh, let's then head into the match of the week where we've kind of been taking a – it's kind of surprising. It's just the two of us, and I feel like the show's going longer than when we have three of us on here. Yeah, it really is just because I, I don't have to worry about giving Kevin a turn. I could just kind of rant as much as I want. <laughs> I always feel bad. I'm like, I need, to, I need to reel myself in so Kevin has a chance to talk and, and now have that restraint this time around. <laughs> Mike's like, Kevin's got to take balls to his face more often. Yeah, we're going to have to <laughs> make sure that's going to have to pay some people off. <laughs> All right, so uh, we'll go ahead and get into the quick. What, uh, what was your favorite match this week? Oh, dude, the Braun and AJ had a fucking incredible match, in my opinion. Like, just the the way that their styles clash. Haha, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> uh, like, it just... Like the I fact, feel like that pun was totally intended. I'm mean, not going to lie. It was 100% intended, but I came up with it, like, 30 seconds ago. Like, it was not planned. Like, I was just... It came in my head. I'm like, oh, man, that's clever as fuck. It really isn't. But I was just going to... I'm like, it's gold, so I have to use it. Um <laughs> But like the fact that like AJ went for the the phenomenal forearm and Braun just swats him out of the sky, like just how great it was to see someone as small as AJ versus Braun and just the way that they did it so it wasn't just like Braun's normal matches where he's annihilates whoever he's in the ring with. It, they still found a way to keep it interesting and tell a story and like kind of keep it kind of mildly even like AJ got his hits in. He got Braun down a few times, but Braun still got up and beat the shit out of AJ and would reverse everything AJ would like try to do. And it was just really well done. It was like, in my opinion, almost as good as the, the Roman reigns versus uh buddy Murphy match a few weeks ago. Like it was a great way to give someone Braun size, a really good match that isn't him just annihilating someone and throwing chairs at their face. Yeah. All right. Okay. I can totally see that. I, I really enjoyed that match too. I thought, 
I thought, honestly, really all of my favorite matches from this week came from Raw. I thought that was a good match. I thought uh, I thought the uh, Roman Reigns and Dolph Ziggler match was really good. Uh, well, I'm I guess I didn't watch that one. <laughs> it was it was it was good. I, Dolph started off great. He cut this like really good promo and turned it into a super kick. <clears throat> it was uh, it was really good. Even Brian and Buddy Murphy on SmackDown was good. But my match of the week this week went to Joe and Cesaro from Raw. Uh, oh yeah! Opening match for the King of the Ring tournament was just a real physical back and forth battle. It, it had a lot of false finishes where you thought Cesaro was going to finally, finally get over the hump and pull it off, but then Joe locked in the Coquina clutch right at the end and kind of, kind of took it from there. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I that was that was that was a great match, and I, I got to give it to those guys. Oh yeah, I really enjoyed that match. Like, I'm not gonna lie. That match was almost like w- while I was watching it. That match almost made it to my my bad or ugly spot because I legit thought that they were gonna just have someone beat Joe again. I'm like, God damn it, Joe is so talented, and they just use him as a punching bag. They have him beat everybody up, and then when it actually matters, he loses. And then he came out on top. I'm like, Oh shit, they're actually gonna have him win. <laughs> but that's kind of how Cesaro <laughs> is too. It's like both of those guys have that same role. So you're like, damn, which one of them is actually going to get the win in this? See, but I feel like the difference is Cesaro, he just doesn't get the win no matter what. Joe will come out for four weeks straight, just beat up and punk out whoever it is that he's facing and have this incredible rivalry. And then when it comes to the payoff at the the pay-per-view, he always loses. Yeah. and it's Or if he wins, it's in like a, a real shitty fashion like his match with Ray where it ended in 30 seconds because uh, Ray was injured. So they didn't want to cancel the match, but they didn't want to do anything extravagant. And they had him just lose in like 30 seconds flat. And I'm just like, come on, give, give Joe something. Like he's so good. And he has so much potential. Like I want them to throw the universal championship on him. He could give that title meaning again. Like, he's such a great heel. He's so talented in the ring. Like every rivalry he's been in where he's had a chance to really kind of go at it and, and use the mic and use his just physicality in his like promos and segments. He's just knocked it out of the park. Even like as much as I got tired of the whole AJ's family thing, he still found ways to like make it good. Yeah. I I don't disagree with you. I love Joe. I, I hope they do more with him too. Uh, and he really could have a really good run with the championship. I feel like he'll be one of those guys that when he does finally win it, he'll carry it for a long time. It's not just going to be a, a one and done or for a couple of months. I think he he'll be that that type of champion that's gonna that's gonna hold it for for a while. Honestly, maybe maybe I even, hope so. Maybe even six six months to six to eight months of a, a nice good run. So I think that that'd be good for him. Honestly, so. like. If it wasn't for the stigma of oh he came from another person's camp, so Vince is gonna be a little skeptical about him, I would love to see him beat Brock's record. Yeah, and I feel you- like if anyone could, his would he'd be believable because he's just such a force to be reckoned with that like even if you put him against someone of Strowman, I could still believe it because he's he comes off intelligent enough that he could outwit Strowman and find ways to take Strowman down aside from just fighting him. And and I don't know if Vince has like a really bad like I don't know if Vince really has a disdain for him for that reason just because like I have you I don't know if you've ever heard Joe tell the story but when he first came to NXT 
he was on a very short contract and he was told mm-hmm. at the time that he would never be on the main roster. And after the first time he went out and attacked, was it uh, Kevin Owens yeah. on uh, on NXT TV? He legit got offered a full-time contract right after that. Cause oh, yeah. he saw like, him and saw what kind of like, what kind of guy he could be. So like, don't be wrong. Like I, I, I've seen that too, but I've just seen too much. Like the fact that they had sting come back for, for this big epic match against Triple H, and then of course DX had the triumph over the NWO because that was WWE winning over a WCW again. Just there's too many instances of like that kind of like petty stuff where it's like this is potentially Sting's last match, and you're gonna have him lose at the grandest stage of them all. Like he's a fucking legend. Don't get me wrong, Triple H is great, but Triple H can lose and it doesn't do anything. Triple H is still Triple H. Sting loses, and that was his first and only WrestleMania. Like, that's a little but more so, significant. But what would it have done for him to win it, even if it was his last? Match? I mean, that he still ended. Up I mean, yeah, it, it would have been it would have been like fan service, but it still at least would have made it so like his WrestleMania like moment wasn't him just being in the, the 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 old people's home of faction versus faction, and then losing. It would have at least been like Sting was triumphant over Triple H, the King of Kings. He's he's the icon. He's Sting, and now it's like, oh well, he got his ass beat by Triple H, and then he got retired by Seth Rollins. So, I mean, he didn't and, and get like the greatest track record the, in WWE. And that's the fan narrative, and that's like kind of how we look at it. But that's completely different from how he looks at it. As, Himself, oh yeah, you know, he's so. just grateful because he he got to have that moment, and right. he doesn't blame Seth and all that. And don't be wrong, uh, yeah, he got that moment. It's great. It just it comes off it comes off petty when that's what the turnout is because we've seen it a few times before where there's certain wrestlers who don't get to go over over certain wrestlers because they came from somewhere else. Like even AJ when he first came back. They didn't like. They didn't want to put the title on him because Vince wasn't convinced. It wasn't until AJ worked his ass off and showed him that he is the face that runs the place that he got where he is now, where he is in the like the title picture constantly, that he is in the main event picture constantly, where he is in this point where he wants time off and wants a shorter schedule, but they don't want to because he he is such a huge draw. He yeah, wasn't I- like that. He had to go out of his way to prove that when he's already a huge name which is why they signed him in the beginning to begin with like right. you go it's like if a, a football team went and traded for some like big name dude for their quarterback and then benched him because they were like you have to prove yourself before we put you in the starting lineup no you fucking recruited him because he's a huge draw like use him yeah and 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 it's the narrative's always been that vince doesn't really pay attention to things outside of wwe like if if, mm-hmm. if if it's outside wwe it doesn't exist so you have to prove yourself to him but at the same time though if you're that talented like a guy like aj styles like a guy like mojo it shouldn't be a problem for you yeah you go you you walk in there and you prove it you you, you let your you let your what you do on the mic what you do in the ring do the talking mm-hmm. and like you prove it and the guys that have taken that ball like those guys have been successful mm-hmm. and other guys oh, have yeah floundered on the mid card because they my, haven't taken the ball. My thing is just that, like this, this narrative that Vince doesn't watch other product makes no sense because he does nothing but fucking steal people from this other product. And you, you, you can't <laughs> tell me that he just has his schmucks in the office being like watching these things and recruiting these guys and offering them million dollar contracts on Vince's dime 
and Vince has no knowledge of who they are. Just some some Joe Schmo saying, "Oh yeah, this guy's really talented. You'll love him, Vince." And uh, like, no, you you don't fucking spend millions of dollars on something and you don't do your own research. There's no no businessman in the history ever who's that fucking stupid. I'm sure once I'm sure once they bring it to once they bring somebody to his attention, he does research on it. But I can fully believe that when you're a when you're I mean, a, yeah, I don't think he sits at home and watches it regularly or anything. But I guarantee it's not a situation where he's he hasn't seen an AJ Styles match ever or he hadn't heard of AJ's name or anything like that either. You can't be that out of touch in the business that you fucking just run the show on and then steal all of the top talent from every other place. Like it just it it just seems real real weird to me that, that that's the narrative that they've they've created that Vince unless it's WWE he's out of touch and doesn't know. <laughs> Considering a third of the roster is dudes who legit were huge indie stars and huge in Japan and huge in this, that, and the other. But you also and, have to re- you also have to remember though who originally signed those people. It wasn't Vince, it was Hunter to work at NXT. And then Vince saw him in NXT and was like, oh, hey, let's bring that guy up to the main roster. But that's not how it was with AJ. AJ AJ went straight to the main roster. But for the most part, a lot of those guys went through NXT first. Oh, yeah. Like Finn, AJ, Shinsuke, they all went through their first. But I don't know. It just, I find it real weird that that's the narrative they've built is he doesn't pay attention, but then he pays millions of dollars for people to come from these other products he doesn't watch. <laughs> All right. Because there's no way he lets Hunter spend that money either. <laughs> without let's, knowing. Move, let's move on to the nostalgia segment, just because my voice is starting to go away. And uh, we need to wrap this up. Mine too. So. <laughs> All right. So going to the nostalgia segment, uh, I, I actually put it out there on Twitter, uh, and I, I tagged a, a few other of the uh, wrestling podcasts that are on Twitter, like, uh, like Smart to Death and also Steel Chair Mag. And uh, two jobbers, one squash. There's a couple couple podcasts that I've become, uh, you know, follow on Twitter that have followed us now, and you know, we kind of. Oh, you were gonna say before. became friends with. Well, I mean, I, I don't really know. <laughs> really say that. But anyway, uh, so the, so those guys have uh, have kind of like we've we've all started kind of retweeting each other's things and stuff like that. So so I put out the question, you know, I let everybody know that this was the segment that. We- on the show today and asked what their favorite botch was i posted the of course the the obvious the holy grail of botches which is the tightest world slide i mean you can't really get better than that that was probably one of the single funniest moments that ever happened on wwe or any other wrestling tv oh man absolutely fantastic and i I do i do say this though i feel like Half the reason why it was so funny is because Vince had them play it like 30 times. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I feel like that was just like it got funnier and funnier each time. If they just would have replayed it once and moved on, I feel like it wouldn't have been as big of a deal as it was. But the fact that Vince thought it was so funny that he played it like. Well, and Corey Graves <laughs> and Michael Cole's reaction to it was priceless as well. Uh, oh, I mean, yeah. They're they, just they dying laughing. Perfectly, yeah. Like Corey, Corey even said, like, I waited a half a second just to make sure he was okay. And then I just died laughing because it was just so, so damn funny. But, uh, but like, okay, other... he didn't smash his face on the, on the ring. We're good. Right. Yeah. He's not dead. We're good. All right. <laughs> a few, a few other people did post a few things that, uh, that they thought was good. Uh, there was a, uh, there was a, a nice little headbutt from, uh, Mark Henry to Batista that, uh, that sent 
that sent Batista flying back and taking a bump all the way on the other side of the ring. That was pretty ridiculous. Uh, Ricochet messing up on his flip. And uh, one that I kind of forgot about, but it was also, uh, it was a botch as a result of a botch. It was when Batista messed up and went over the top rope with John Cena at the Royal Rumble, was it 2005? And uh, they both hit the floor at the same time, and then nobody knew what to do because it was supposed to be Batista winning it, but both went over at the same time. They didn't know what to do, so that caused Vince to have to come out. But since he had been sitting in a chair for the last four hours, when he got up and started to do his little out to the ring he tore his quad and then he decided because his quad was torn he needed to give himself an extra boost to get into the ring and when he tried to give himself that extra boost he tore his other quad (laughs) so then he just kind of rolled into the ring and sat on the ropes and barked his orders from the ropes but he still managed to walk back to the back with two torn quads once he got on his feet so that was another one. Take that, that was, Kevin Nash. That was actually posted by the Two Jobbers One Squash podcast. <laughs> tweeted that out. So so big props to them for that. Um, but uh, but my my personal one, and I'll get into this first. If you give you a break, my my mine was like almost an entire pay per view was a botch, and that was Halloween Havoc 1995. If you did not watch WCW in 19. 19- unfamiliar with Halloween please take a minute and fire up the WWE network and don't watch this because it's just god off <laughs> I like that build up just like don't watch, watch anything but this so so it starts off so it so basically to kind of set up the scene the big match the big rivalry was Hulk Hogan versus the giant who we all know is the big show so First, they're supposed to have this monster truck match on the top of the arena, supposedly. And basically, there's a big ring of fire around it, and they're driving their monster trucks into each other. It's like a fight. One has to push the other one out, right? So, of course, Hulk Hogan wins, which leads to them getting out of the truck, having a location on the side of the building close to the ledge. And then Hulk breaks free from the giant, and the giant falls off of the building, supposedly into a lake, river, or some body of water below, plunging to his death. Like, they actually acknowledged, like, they thought he was dead. And the, the best part about it was, is that the arena that they were in didn't even have water next to it. So I'm not quite sure how they, you know... He plunged into water that didn't exist, but, you know, never mind. Let's suspend disbelief for a minute. So then the main event is supposed to be Hulk Hogan versus the Giant in the ring. And the Giant magically is alive and coming to the ring to face Hulk Hogan. So that in itself was a botch. And then at some point during the match, this big, huge guy that's even taller than Big Show that they called the Yete that was dressed up in toilet paper and looked like a mummy came out and while Hulk Hogan was already in a bear hug. So the giant had him in a bear hug. And then the Yeti came out and basically wrapped his arms around Hogan and the giant. And we had a nice little Hulk Hogan sandwich. 
but it basically just looked like the Yeti was dry humping Hulk Hogan. So the whole thing, in my opinion, <laughs> was just a big, huge, giant botch. The, the monster truck thing was a botch. Him falling off the roof of the building and dying was a botch. Him coming back to life and having this match, which wasn't even a good match, was a botch. There was actually botches in the match. And then the Yeti, I, I, I don't even know what the hell the thing was, but that was a botch as well. So Halloween Havoc 1995, WCW, huge botch. Mike, what do you got for us? <laughs> um, so I just want to start by saying this one's for you, Kevin, our, our fallen fallen warrior who took <laughs> some balls to the face. This one's 100% for you, and I hope you appreciate it. My favorite botch of all time is real recent, and that was that we are live and worldwide here on the Gimmick Minute Podcast. <laughs> You're using me as a botch? <laughs> I am. I am using you as my favorite botch because you're the botch that just keeps giving. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate it. You're, you're welcome. <laughs> I thought it long and hard. I, I could have picked Brack Lesnar breaking his neck trying to do a shooting star press from coast to coast. I could have picked one. Triple H going to do the pedigree and the table given out trying to kill him and Kurt Angle. I could have picked when Kofi forgot he was supposed to be Jamaican. I, I, <laughs> I So many, but instead I went with my favorite botch in my life. Hey, uh, not that I'm the historian, but I actually learned, do you know that Kofi forgetting he was Jamaican was not a botch? See, like, are you talking about because they did that whole thing on the... Uh the network his story thing yeah and he he's he told the story he said that they uh that it came out that he was from ghana west africa he wasn't actually from jamaica so it came out in the you know in some that he did like an interview and then as a way to basically kind of move away from that he did it on like it was done on purpose yeah it so that you know, was, it's that's, still that's a little behind the botch. <laughs> it's still, you know, you know, I don't care. This the reactions made it look so realistic. It's still a box. It's still a botch to me. Okay. All right. All right. It's still real to me. Damn it. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad I'm your botch. All right. Well, I'm glad I saved you for long. So. <laughs> hey. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you could follow that. <laughs> breaking news: uh, We do have a medical update on Kevin. Uh, on Kevin taking his ball situation. So. Uh, <laughs> He is home resting. He's choosing not to divulge any medical information. It's anyone's guess if he'll be on next week's episode or not, but we're going to wish, wish Kevin a speedy recovery and uh, hope that uh, he takes no balls to the face in the next week so that we do have him on and he can contribute to the next podcast. I, th- I think next week we need to have intervention for him because it's becoming a real problem. I mean, when it yeah. starts to interfere with your, your prior engagements, you really should just stop taking balls to the face. I definitely agree with you there. Balls of the face is never. Right. I mean, unless you're a porn star, then I guess it's, you know, your livelihood, but that's not the point. <laughs> no, that's totally not the point. All right. So if we're not careful, we're going to end up with the conversation after, like we ended up with. <laughs> I will reiterate if you did not get a chance, go back and check out last week's episode. Just, just really the ending of 
last five minutes of it. If you don't I mean, listen talk, to the whole thing, but yeah, that last five minutes is just gold. I'm I'm not gonna get into it too deeply. I will say though, for just a reference sake, if you do not know what a golden shower is, please don't. Oh my God, Google it. You need to know before you go into this, otherwise you'll be real confused. So make sure you don't, golden don't, you, you don't Google, Google what a golden shower is, and make sure you click videos so that way you know exactly what it is because you don't you, want to be confused. If you're, if you're under the age of eighteen, do. Not- I mean, if you're under the age of eighteen, you probably shouldn't be listening to us because I'm I've really bad at saying fucking shit a lot and that you shouldn't be listening to that and we also talk about dirty things so go go do your homework or not do drugs or something instead of listening to us <laughs> uh, no that well we want people to listen to us though yes but we don't want underage people that's bad we're a bad influence jason i mean we you're just bad. spent we just spent 20 influence. minutes talking about how our co-host takes balls to the face and needs an intervention that is not child friendly <laughs> All right. Well, uh, you can check out our show and any other show that Media Junkie has. If you follow us on Twitter, at Media Junkie Vids, Instagram, Twitter, both the same. You can also follow us specifically at Live Your Gimmick. That's L I V Your Gimmick, both on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, you can also check out our new podcast, which is called the Fanboy Fight Club podcast. And you can check that out at Fanboy Fight Club on Twitter. You can also check out our, we have a Facebook page for that. Uh, we'll be posting new content for that every two weeks. Media Junkie also has a Division 2 podcast, if you're into gaming, called The Rogue Agents. I'm on that show every now and again as well. Mike and I are both on Fanboy Fight Club, so you can ca- catch our lovely voices on more than one podcast that Media Junkie offers. So please, please, please give those a listen. Please share it. Give it five-star reviews. Subscribe to our pages, all that fun stuff. We definitely appreciate it. You can also check out other content we have at youtube.com slash media junkie. Mike, do you have anything that you want to plug at all? Uh, yeah, go follow my uh, Instagram. It's vault of personality comics. That's where I post all my shirt designs that I sell on tpublic.com. Uh, that's V A U L T O F personality comics. Cause I'm lazy, too lazy to spell out the rest. Um, <laughs> but yeah, go follow that. So you can keep up on all the shirts I make. All right. Awesome. Well, I, again, I'd like you to subscribe, share, and give us a nice review. And please, 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 please continue to listen to the show. And if you'd like to give us any feedback, tweet us at Gimmick. Thank you again for listening. Remember, be a fan and always live your gimmick. Goodbye, everybody. Do I have everybody's attention now? Mm-hmm.